Hello, and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. This show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and U.S. Army Special Operations Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses, and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, Universe, and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of visual storytelling. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit prosperitasagency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Carrie DePhillips. Carrie is the founder and CEO of The Content Factory, a digital PR agency that specializes in search engine optimization. She's also the co-host of the Workationing podcast, which follows her adventures traveling the world while working and knocking items off of her bucket list. Thrive has called her a limit-breaking female founder. Glamour Magazine referred to her as a digital nomad role model, and NBC News named Carrie a CEO who takes job perks to the max for her approach to business management. Thank you so much for joining me today, Carrie, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to be here. So Carrie, I'd love to know what led you to embrace the digital nomad lifestyle? There are all kinds of reasons. Let me list them. Number one, when I started my agency, The Content Factory in 2010, I came from an advertising background initially, then I was a freelance writer, but as a, I was a freelance SEO writer, search engine optimization. So uh, my clients were based all over the country and in some cases all over the world. So when I decided to incorporate my company, I considered that and realized why would I get an office? Because that's a whole lot of overhead. And then it also limits my ability to attract top talent. Suddenly, instead of who can commute to this office in Pittsburgh, the question becomes like, who can do the job most effectively and at the most cost-effective price point? So there's reason number one. Reason number two. I am a lady with what I will call a challenging hair texture. It takes me <laughs> my hair in the morning. And then I've got to, what, do the like dress up and heels routine, which I regularly did when I worked in advertising. Then I had the pleasure of commuting 45 minutes each way uh, to pay 300 plus dollars per month to park downtown each month. And what that adds up to is a negative cost to the environment, but really a negative cost to my lifestyle because all of that labor is completely unpaid. And for women, it's that cost tends to be much higher across the board. So 
I would like to remove that cost again from the table, but then also it, with that came the opportunity to, if you can work from home, you can work from anywhere. So why don't you? And through that like lifestyle optimization, uh, I've continued to work at that over the years and build upon it. But it, those are the two main reasons, but there are a lot of benefits, three if you include the environmental aspect, but those are the three main reasons why I, the digital nomad lifestyle attracted me and why, why I decided to embrace it so quickly. Awesome. And so there's a lot of PR agencies out there. There's a lot of SEO agencies out there and a lot of like digital marketing agencies that also do SEO. What made you decide to infuse PR with SEO specifically and really just hyper niche into that? The reality of the situation is as I became a, an expert in SEO and as I implemented these tactics for my agency. So for example, my company, The Content Factory, contentfact.com, our website at one point was generating over a million dollars a year worth of organic traffic. Depending on the algo update in the day, we rank number one for anything from like cost of social media marketing to web content writers. So from an SEO perspective, like content is certainly king or queen or they is the case maybe, but the ultimate they, but the reality is you need high quality backlinks to send the, the right signals to the search crawlers. And how do you go about getting those backlinks? Back in the day, you could, there were a zillion different ways that you could game that system. I recognized pretty early on that the like most longstanding and legit way, and also a way that like a strategy that most companies weren't implementing, even if they were serious about SEO, is PR, because you cannot beat the domain authority of those backlinks. Often those backlinks send sales too. And over time, as you develop that network of high quality backlinks vis-a-vis -vis your media coverage, right? It makes your competition, it, it makes it very difficult for them to be able to usurp you in the rankings. Does that make sense? From Absolutely. my perspective, I got into PR because I wanted to be the best at SEO. And I've been named in, in the top three women in my industry. I'm the co-founder of the Sisters in SEO Facebook group, which has almost 10,000 members and is the largest network of women in the industry. Like, it, I think a key def differentiating characteristic between my skill set and like the content factory skill set in relation to other companies is the fact that we go hard at PR for the publicity value and the conversion value, but also for the SEO value. And it, in most cases, honestly, the SEO value of PR is higher than the publicity value, like the actual value. That's amazing. Definitely going to have to hop. I'm glad you're here today. Definitely going to have to hop on that train. I can help you with that. I've, I've actually got free guides. Uh, I have free pitching template. Hero, help a reporter out. Are you familiar? Oh, yeah. Oh, love it. Yeah. yeah. So we have a pitch template that is free to download. I will send you the link. And then if you want, you can share it with your listeners. This has generated over $10 million worth of media coverage for the content factory and our clients over the years. It's like very plug and play. There's a formula to it. It's not... Like this type of PR is the lowest level and it's 
by far the easiest. There's mm -hmm. more complex here, but it delivers results for SEO and it, it, it really levels the playing field for smaller companies. The content factory is a small company. I started it like with $500 that I put toward a website and then time that I put toward developing content and like targeted content. I don't have a sales team. I don't need to have a sales team because so many people come to my website, find the answers to their questions, understand that we're experts and then contact us as a result of that, that I get leads every day. So I don't know, I'm a huge fan of SEO for a variety of reasons, but the number one reason I think is because it does level the playing field for smaller players, especially in the SaaS space. If you're a tech company, tech companies are just not really doing great work across the board as far as I've seen with regard to SEO or for that matter, PR. And again, the two really go hand in hand because it's really easy for somebody to outright you, but to out rank you, they need to outright you and out backlink you and out technical SEO you. So making sure that like your website's light fast sends all those right signals. Definitely. So how can small business owners really start getting into doing PR, having press releases done that isn't going to break the bank for them? First of all, I would not recommend press releases. And I certainly rec would not recommend press release distribution services. So for example, PR web is one of them. There are a variety of them. They cost a few hundred dollars and they will spit you out a very pretty report that will mean nothing. So it will show pickups and I've got big air quotes <laughs> around pickups. And what that means is that essentially they have a deal with these like news syndicates that your press release will be published on the back page of some news site, market watch, let's say that nobody's ever going to see. And so the actual value of that is nothing because the search crawlers got hip to that trick a long time ago as a backlink building tactic. So the value of the backlinks from press release distribution services is basically zero. The value of the, again, air quotes, pickups, absolutely zero in 99.999% of cases. And then, so what you're left with is you've got this like potential reach, but nobody's seeing it. And if you think that I have another article I can send, I explain this in detail in a blog post on our website, but the reality of the situation is journalists are absolutely not going to PR web or any of these other PR underground pick your point. They're not going to these distribution services or sites to source their news. They have hundreds of pitches every day in their inbox and editorial meetings that guide their coverage, right? So if you want to get your news in front of journalists and you're going to send a press release, press releases can still be valuable, but you have to make sure that they're actually newsworthy and then you're pitching them to the appropriate people in the appropriate way Otherwise, you're just wasting your time and people have such high hopes for such often lackluster press releases and also just like a, a, a press release distribution strategy that hasn't worked in over a decade. So like press releases are tricky, but if you're low budget uh, startup company and you're trying to get media coverage for your brand or executive PR, Hero, help a reporter out is fantastic for that. And again, I've got a template to and a guide 
walks you through it, makes it really easy, but that's free. And it only takes time and a little bit of strategy. And that's pretty easy. Very cool. And actually, I'm wondering, uh, I've seen a lot of proliferation on Facebook ads and other venues of what I'm assuming are just people who go and make like local media relationships to bring in random content. I think actually John, I think John Oliver might have done like a, a piece attacking it or somebody did a piece attacking them lately. And it'll basically say, hey, I'll get you on NBC News for 99 bucks or 300 bucks or something like that. And of course, it's, it's not like NBC Nightly News, like national, it's like a local affiliate or something, but it's taking the, you know, sponsored content article and pushing that into the video space. How do you feel about, you know, what those services are doing? Oh, I can peel the curtain back a little bit further and it's actually quite horrifying. So on several occasions, I have had reporters from, and I'm sure they're freelancers, from name brand media outlets, like three letters, you probably know them, who have offered to cover any of our clients for the prices range, but like the lowest was 500. And I was like, lady, you're underselling yourself. You know, you've set your sights higher. Now you're disappointing me on two levels, but it... And I would never do that. My agency has a hard no policy on that. I, it, it's just, that's not how we play the game. Cause I don't, and there are a lot of very legitimate journalists who are very diligent about not taking money to cover brands. Others are less diligent about that, especially when you've got swag to throw around. There's another layer of it too, in the sense that, especially after COVID, what we've noticed is an agency over the last like year or two, it probably started a little bit sooner than that, but like affiliate partnerships. And what I mean by that is, are you on Amazon? Are you on Skim Links or Sharis? Then you have approximately 50% more media opportunities in my estimation, based off of my experience and my team's experience pitching a, a variety of companies over the years. Of You've got like a 40 to 50% higher chance of getting major media coverage. And there are some outlets that will only cover companies that have these affiliate partnerships set up so that as people who are reading the articles click on the link and then make a purchase, the outlet gets money off of all of that. The reason why they've been so hardcore about it or more hardcore about it is because COVID hit and just, whew, there goes so many ad budgets. It was one of the first things to get cut and the media outlets, the news outlets that we rely on for truth and great recommendations, they're forced to recover this dip in revenue. How do they do that? Affiliates. What does that mean? That means that there are editors who are assigning journalists articles and they're saying, you have to go to this database of companies that are giving us a cut of everything that gets bought through our links. You are not allowed to include any other companies. So in terms of the PR game and like getting set up with an affiliate program, it's not that difficult, but it can be absolutely critical in the PR space. And that's something that that's a little known pretty new to the industry fact. And that's becoming business as usual. What depresses me about that is certainly negatively impacting the quality of the news that we're consuming. 
but as a marketer who's playing the game and trying to generate the best results for our clients possible, affiliate, setting up an affiliate program, if you're serious about SEO and if you're serious about getting backlinks or serious about PR and serious about getting backlinks for SEO is an essential ass success these days. Oh, totally. Yeah. I've seen some, there's a, a company in the green tech industry I was in previously, and they make a, this home device that makes this like green chemical that's like really multiversal. And they have like over a million backlinks probably because they just set up this like massive affiliate program. And the thing is like only like 50 or 60 bucks, but they get you on a five month or $5 a month you know, subscription for these little like packets they send out so you can use the machine and it's huge. And then they're also like the craziest retargeting ad campaign I've literally ever seen. I won't say their name because you'll start getting just retargeted by them <laughs> constantly, but it's like, yeah, it's really, it's really amazing to see some of the campaigns that are out there um, doing things of that nature. So Carrie, I'd love to know how can people transition from brick and mortar jobs to working from anywhere in the world? Uh, start applying for remote work, relentlessly applying for remote work. Uh, the way that I got into it was, like I said, I was working in advertising and commuting every day and like doing the whole hair, lipstick, roof, parking routine. She's like, it wasn't great. Pittsburgh weather is not awesome for like fancy dress clothes all the time. I wasn't digging it. I started the first place. I knew Craigslist had jobs, but like Craigslist has so many jobs. And I still post the content factories jobs on Craigslist. And most companies post, or a lot of companies post their jobs on Craigslist. What's great about that is it's accessible to anybody. And if you go uh, state by state, if you expand every state, you'll find the biggest cities in that state. You can just start looking for the opportunities that are remote. If you are looking for remote work and you're limiting your search to like, it, it, let's say you're in Omaha, Nebraska, and you're limiting your search to companies in Omaha that will like let you work remotely. You're just like doing yourself a huge disservice. Craigslist again, makes that so easy. I used to go state by state and I had a pretty, I had three versions of a cover letter. And then my resume that like, it was pretty much copy paste and I would just copy paste. And there was a limit. I think it was 50 per day that you could send. And I would apply to 50 remote jobs per day. I got my first remote job, like within eight hours of starting. <laughs> so it largely is a numbers game. It depends on the type of work that you're looking for too. If you're looking for freelance writing work, or freelance website design work, you're going to have an easier time than if you, I don't know, programmers have it pretty easy too, from what I understand. It, certainly it's industry specific and skill specific. Some jobs, they're just, they're more available than others, but it's as easy as starting to apply and then consistently following up. And then like in the, when <laughs> the, the echo comes back and there's nothing, don't give up, keep applying because how bad do you want to be remote? Oh, totally. So what are your favorite places to travel to and to work from, Ben? I currently live in Amsterdam. I love Puerto Rico. I really love Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has, I think it's five of the seven bioluminescent bays in the world. And you can swim in the La Perguera. 
BioBay, which was the most amazing experience I've ever had with nature. It's like you go out at night and the water is pitch black, except for there's this bioluminescent plankton that when it gets disturbed with movement, it starts to glow. And so you can swim in it and it looks like you're doing a big glowy snow angel as you swim. And then you can see fish swimming around you and underneath you. When you pick your arm up out of the water, it looks like stars are dripping off of your skin. So for me, that's hard to top. I love South Africa. I went cage diving with sharks in South Africa. That was pretty cool. They've got a killer wine country out there that I think even tops Sonoma County. It, there are amazingly beautiful and affordable places that you can stay. I lived in Medellin for a while, Colombia. Incredible food, amazing people, just value on deals in terms of housing and food and everything. So it really depends on some people like colder weather. Some people like it mountainous. I love the White Mountains in New Hampshire as well. That's oh, a great that's place from. to like, going chill back out. There, yeah. Going back there this weekend. Oh, really? I'm from Portsmouth originally, so we're going there, but then uh, I'm going to go camping up in the White Mountains at some point, and maybe to Vermont as well. But yeah, born and raised. Love it. Oh, I, I lived in Lincoln, New Hampshire for a year and a half. Oh, very nice. So yeah. Lincoln's my oh, favorite. <laughs> totally there. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So I'd love to know, uh, what has been one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've made? And feel free to take the word investments as broadly as possible. This is a great question. I would I would say the investment in the confidence to be able to change my mind and have that be okay. Or to question norms and have that be okay. I don't know if that's like necessarily an investment, but there's a risk that comes with that. There's a risk that comes with going against the tide, whether it's, uh, for example, I was raised Mormon. I'm not Mormon anymore. So like re rejecting things that don't serve you, that can be very difficult, but it's been the, the best investment I've ever made. And not solely with, with Mormonism, although I'm sure a lot of people get great value out of it. I'm just not one of them. When I decided to put all of my stuff in a 10 by 10 storage shed and then travel the world, I didn't know where I was going. I knew I was going to Puerto Rico first because, again, I do love Puerto Rico. But after that, I was like, I don't know. I'm going to figure it out as I go. And I did. And it was great. And it was the best gift that I ever gave myself. But I would not have been able to get there if I wasn't able to rationally evaluate what I wanted out of life, decide like, how do I maximize my short time on earth? And then do that in the face of people who were like, hey, but isn't it great here? What, are you too good for this place? It sounds actually when you're a single lady and when you're in your, what we call mid to late 27s, I started this when I was like 35. 34. <laughs> <laughs> but when you make this decision, and I used to drive, listen, I didn't just have one BMW Z4 convertible. I had two of them. I raced them both. I had the new one, the newest one, and I had the oldest one. And so people are like, are, is this like an even worse midlife crisis? Like, what the hell is this that you're doing? And I'm like, no, I really want to, though. I'm getting rid of these cars and I'm just going to travel for a while. Sounds like a plan to me. And it's something that I'd always wanted to do. And like, for whatever reasons, like I, I 
was afraid to, or it's a scary proposition actually. But I was able to do that with my best friend and colleague, and she was in a similar position, also a lady in her mid to late 27s. And we did it together and it was great. And we made a whole podcast about it. It's called the Workationing Podcast. And we hit a different city every like month or two and knocked items off of our bucket list. Like we flew planes. That was pretty cool. Things that I honestly, we packed more life into, and I try to do this consciously. How can I pack the most life into my life possible? Mm-hmm. And what barriers are in the way of me accomplishing that goal? And then are those legit barriers or are those just like artificial? Nobody else in the family has done this. So why should you? Barriers, which I, I think is a, a real barrier for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. So how is a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite? Do we cuss on this podcast? Absolutely. Okay. Oh, I wish I would have known that. I should have asked you that first. I'm being featured in a book coming out later this month called Tell Her She Can't. And it's about inspiring women and their stories. And I I closed the book with a quote about how people tend to underestimate me a lot. And in a way, I'm okay with that because I do my best work from a place of fuck you. So (laughs) I have had so many failures and a lot of them weren't my fault. And even the ones that, if, if it's not a place of fuck you, it's a place of fuck that for me. So am I not happy? Did I really like, did I not do something that I needed to do? Or did I not see something coming? For example, I once got sued so hard, it landed me in Success Magazine. So thank God for business insurance. But if you Google copyright infringement, we come up first. And I've sent my lawyer a lot of business through that post. And (laughs) we've gotten a lot of business out of that post too, from people who thought that they knew how to properly blog, then they understand, oh, no. My intern of a blogger has been pulling images from Google randomly and the cost on that can be astronomically huge. I think it's $150,000 is the max. It's not usually that, but trust you're going to settle for three figures at the minimum on any kind of image copyright infringement case, especially if certain photo agencies come after you. So like now I have a policy for that. Now I have a process. I already had a policy, but now I make the people check it off. (laughs) confirmed. And now we have receipts for every image we, and we pay for it. Every image that we use for our clients. Astroglide is a long-term client of the content factory. And there are different image licensing rights when it comes to pharmaceutical products. So for example, there are some image companies that like absolutely will not work with any kind of medical device. Astroglide is an FDA cleared medical device. In that case, you can't, you can't use any images from these tried and true sources that you're used to, unless you read the fine print or for the vast majority of others, you're not allowed to use. So if you're not familiar with these rules and you don't have business insurance to cover your ass in the event that somebody makes a mistake, uh, it could cost you a lot of money. And even consulting with people who know the ins and outs of this, uh, a lot of the work that we do is consulting and like market, building out marketing plans 
and courses of action for SEO implementation. And having these types of guidelines and checklists and Asana is your best friend for this can really save a lot of money and mistakes. Sounds good. Carrie, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life? The one that I wish I wrote. So I was, I was thinking about writing this book and I was like, oh, this is going to be good. I just need a few more examples. And then trust me, I'm lying. Confessions of a Media Manipulator by Ryan Holiday came out. And I was like, God damn it. Ryan Holiday beat me to the punch and it's really good too. I have purchased so many <laughs> copies of that book. Everyone on my team has to read it. I buy it as a gift for my clients. If you're trying to understand, I don't want to say media manipulation, but essentially that in a lot of ways, that's what PR is with the side of consumer education. Trust Me, I'm Lying is just a really eye-opening book. It's a fun read. I'd call it like a beach business read. I like that one a lot. Have to give a shout out to The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I also really enjoyed... I didn't really enjoy the E-Myth Revisited. That was more of a like son of a bitch kind of moment. I, I didn't <laughs> love recognizing failure in every chapter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a wake up call, like a nice punch in the face to an entrepreneur. Yeah, I read that. I read that on the treadmill all the time. And then it was just like, you can't cry in public. How about that? Carrie, if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? <laughs> okay, after this, I'll tell you my real answer. And I don't think it's good for public consumption. You know what? I was going to quote Timothy Leary, but I couldn't quote it exactly. So I'll skip that one. Rethink what you know. Powerful. Love it. Just spitballing here. I don't know. You put me on the spot. <laughs> wow. What it's all about. So Carrie, I'd love to know, what are your go-to self-care strategies, tactics, and techniques beyond just being able to get to travel the world and do cool? I make my bed every day. I used to not because I thought it was such a meaningless thing. Like why? And then usually my bedroom is behind a closed door. So who's going to see it anyway? But several people told, it was like three people in one week was like, oh, do you know that that's like a habit of success for, there was a book that came out and then three people referenced that you got to make your bed. And then I was like, okay. And it does make me feel good to start the day off with just something productive. I take ice baths now. I've been trying to get into biohacking and by trying to get into biohacking, I like keep dipping my toe into it and then be like, ah, it's too cold. But like once a month, I take a six minute <laughs> ice bath and like we make a party out of it, invite some friends over, just some Wim Hof shit. And it yeah. actually works. It, it does amazing things for the psyche and just reinforces the fact that I can do hard things. If your listeners are going to get into ice bath, I, I have a pro tip is this. When, number one, you got to do it with friends. Number two, come with stories. Like maybe you don't see each other for a couple of weeks and then save some stories up so that you can lay them out in the bathtub to mentally distract the person who's freezing <laughs> in the ice bath because we figured out that trick. But then the last time uh, three of us had gone and the fourth one was going in and she was like, all right, tell us, tell me a story. I, I need a good one. It's it's really torturous in there. And all of us were so cold and our minds were so numb. And we had told all of our stories to get all of the rest of us there. And we had nothing for her. So we started <laughs> talking about what our birthdays were and our astrological signs. And it was not good. I've 
I haven't felt that bad in a while, actually. I like, I truly let a friend down there. But having good stories really helps to take the mind off of things. And it really is a mind over matter. So in terms of self-care, that it's good to challenge. I've got a personal trainer and I work out three times a week with him. Nice. Yeah. Is that, he, is that like a local thing or a virtual thing? Uh, it's a local thing. I've been working with this guy for a while. There's nothing that'll keep a lady more honest than having to step on a scale in front of a six foot seven former bodybuilder statue of a man. Do you like it? <laughs> I can tell that you don't. <laughs> <laughs> so that's been good in terms of keeping me honest and, uh, So, Carrie, in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? I lost reading for a while. And what I mean by lost reading is I just, I thought that I didn't have enough time for it. I think it was like three, four years ago, I discovered the audiobook, And then it was just like, oh, I can oh, yeah. read <laughs> while doing dishes, taking a shower, folding laundry, walking to the store. I'm consuming a lot of content that way and it keeps me sharp. It's not exactly the same as reading. I really do love curling up with a book, but I, I think I probably absorb about 85% as much of the information. Yeah. It's just packing more life in and you get more yeah. done. So otherwise you wouldn't have read it. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. it helps so much. So what advice would you give to a smart, driven, you know, college or high school graduate about to enter the real world? And is there any advice they should ignore? My advice would be to figure out what kind of life you want. And that's probably going to change sometimes, right? Like the, I got divorced at 30. I had a good seven year run of it. But what I thought I wanted at 23, 25, and then what I wanted at 30 versus than what I wanted at like 35 or what I will want when I eventually turn 35 in like 10 years. It, it's different. I'm a huge fan of flexibility. Other people are like hardcore into stability. Whatever works best for you, go ahead and run at that. But if you know that you're a stability person, then start making decisions that will build toward that. If you know that you want to ha hit at least 50 countries before you're 50, then how are you going to get? What kind of job or skill sets that will enable you to get that job will allow you to live that life and accomplish those goals? And then yeah, the importance right, of like reverse engineering your life. I'm a huge fan of reverse engineering things. Because walk yourself back from the goal and then you'll have the loose steps that it'll take to get there. Absolutely. So in the last five years, what have you become better at saying no to? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> like everything. I've gotten better at, they say, fire fast, hire slow. I don't know why that took me five years to really, it's a quick saying. I can remember it easily. You'd think that I would have remembered it <laughs> over the years. I've gotten a lot better about that, but it's because I was so bad at it that I saw the cost of what not making a swifter decision or in some cases not elongate the time it took to make the decision in the first place. Those costs can be huge and they have ripple effects that can negatively impact your team, your clients, yourself, all kinds of things. Running out of patience for, for that because I had too much patience 
before, that saved me the most stress over the last five years. That's a good one. So how have you found mentors and advisors throughout your career? I stock them on the internet like everyone else. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's one way to do it. No, I, honestly, um, like I'm a college dropout. Uh, I came from a, a pretty poor background, so I didn't have a lot of well-connected Silicon Valley types or Harvard scholars around to, to help me out. I, I taught myself everything that I know. So like I had to learn to overcome the imposter syndrome. It took me, it took me way too long to start reaching out to people that I, I admired and just like number one, getting on their radar. Then number two, being like, hey, I'm happy to promote your stuff because I think everything you do is fantastic. And then, hey, how can I be of value to you? Because now you know me for a while. Because it, 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 it's a scary prop proposition, like reaching out to somebody that you're trying to, like the risk of no is pretty high there. And it, for me, man, I don't know how many Xanax I'd have to eat before I'd like walk up to Cindy Gallup at a con at a, at a con and Cindy Gallup. She's called the Michael Bay of business because she likes to blow shit up. She is the mastermind behind some of the most famous ad campaigns. She is a brilliant, lovely woman who, you know, I first, she came on my radar because uh, ad age ran an article called Cindy Gallup doesn't give a fuck what you think. And I said, oh, this seems relevant to my interests. Well, let me read on. And in this article, it just cites what a, it's like a manifesto of what a badass Cindy Gallup is to the point where Usher, Puff Daddy, and I think it was Nelly, had, they made the rap video for Nasty Girl in her apartment. That's how that lady rolls. And so I was just like, oh, <laughs> I've never had such a professional wow, how do I grow up to be that kind of moment ever? So what I did was I friended her on LinkedIn and I followed her on Twitter and on Facebook and she didn't accept my LinkedIn request right away, but then she eventually did after I started liking and retweeting her on Twitter. And then next thing you know, I share the Ad Age article in Sisters and SEO and I tell Cindy over on LinkedIn, hey, just so you've got a huge fan club over at Sisters and SEO. And she said, that is so interesting because my new venture, Make Love Not Porn, is yep. looking for uh, somebody to help us manage our SEO. Oh, and wow. I said, oh, I know a girl. <laughs> and then Cindy Gallup became my client and then my mentor. And she's taught me so many things. Oh, wow. It, it's, she's the coolest lady I know. Really oh yeah, I've been following her on or on Twitter for a long time, and yeah, she's great. Yeah, no, she gives the Content Factory shoutouts on. She's just such a generous, just a wonderful person to work with and be in the orbit of. And so, like mentorship, I went from like college dropout, started my company with five hundred dollars three years ago. I guess two and a half years ago, I, I started being more intentional about reaching out to people who I thought that I could be of service to and that could potentially help me too. And then the next thing you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. Cindy Gallup is now a paying client of the content factory and raving about us on Twitter. That's a very cool thing. Oh, that's so dope. So Absolutely. like, just start reaching out. Don't be creepy about it. But like, <laughs> provide value. 
mm-hmm. they're going to recognize your name over time when they keep seeing the heart sign. Yeah, absolutely. So, Carrie, this has been an awesome and enlightening conversation. I feel like I could talk with you for hours, but our time's just about up. So it leads me to my last question. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you? Oh, man. I have had so many people be so incredibly kind to me over the years that I feel like I'll be paying it back for eons. And I actively try to do it. It costs nothing to be nice to people. And like, just, I, if it weren't for my aunt Beth, who actually wasn't even my aunt, she was my uncle's girlfriend. I wouldn't have been able to, I grew up in a pretty abusive home. My dad was, you know, on all kinds of stuff and was not what I'll call the nicest guy. And all I wanted to do was move across the country to go to college. But like my family, like I said, was poor. How are you going to pay for that? I don't know. How are you even going to fly out there? I'd never been on a plane before. And this wonderful lady saw potential in me. And she took me to her alma mater, Berkeley. She took me on a bunch of college tours to colleges that like I would never go to because I was really trying to get out of California. That seemed like too close to home for comfort. But she co-signed my student loan. And if it weren't for her, then I wouldn't have been able to get out of a very terrible situation. I'm sure I would have been like sucked back into it. Statistically, I should not be where I am right now. I am where I am right now in a huge part to the kindness of a lady who took a risk on somebody who wouldn't have otherwise had a chance but had potential. And I do my best to realize that potential every day. It's a beautiful story. It's powerful. Carrie, thank you again so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you. I'm so happy to be here. And yeah, I'm excited to promote it, introduce my network to your network and Yeah. Sounds great. Today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Visit ProsperitasAgency.com today to learn more. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. And if you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash theluepodcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness.